Hi, I'm Orla Martinez. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen. We watch it and then we meet to discuss it. We also panic over technical issues that we've been having for the last two episodes. <sighs> yes, pray for us, listeners. Because There's we are not... Nothing, no issues in about oh my God. three, four months. We are not then, audio really. people. We are not audio people. Ironically enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would think, you know, with our, with our beautiful lilting voices, but here we are. Uh, so <laughs> this week's film is The Conformist from 1970, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci, produced by Mauricio Lodife, screenplay by Bernardo Bertolucci, based on The Conformist by Alberto Moraviva. Music by Georges Delarue. I don't know why I'm calling him Georges, but it just feels correct. It is Georges. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cinematography by Vittorio Storaro, the only name that I can actually pronounce, not even well. Edited by Franco Arcali. Starring... Arcali? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a baby. Is this the keys uh, to ignition? <laughs> 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 Starring Jean-Louis Trintignant, Pasquale Fortunato, Stefania Sandrelli, Gaston Mochin, and Enzo Taraccio. The synopsis is... Marcello Clerici is a member of the secret police in Mussolini's fascist Italy. He and his new bride, Giulia, travel to Paris for their honeymoon, where Marcello also plans to assassinate his former college professor, Luca Quadri, an outspoken anti-fascist in exile. But when Marcello meets the professor's young wife, Anna... Both his romantic and his political loyalties are tested. But not really. It's more a synopsis rather than a movie. <laughs> this week's film was picked by Ricardo. It was indeed. And why? Why did you pick this uh, film from the 1970s? Well, um, there's a number of reasons that I picked this movie. Okay. Uh, number one and above everything else is that I think that it's a fantastic piece of work. And it is a great movie and an influential movie in many ways. And I thought that we've touched on fascism before, but never on the the idea of being part of the actual mm. machination of the the system. And I thought that it's a good, not entry point, but a place to talk about it, especially considering what's happening in the world at the moment. That it's kind of making oh, it, yes. it's making a comeback. Strangely it, topical. It's like an 80s action star. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants it back, but it's here. <laughs> and um, having that also embedded in a movie that is as complicated and complex and problematic as this one. But I think it's uh, problematic in the, the way that great uh, you know troublemaker filmmakers that they go in and mm -hmm. it's part of the discussion that they want the audience to have yeah it's not that kind of film that nowadays there's a lot of that as well of if a movie a character does something especially if it's the main character or the film is telling you something that is not exactly pc yeah that the director is fucked up you know Lars von Trier walks <laughs> into well, that all the time he's straddling several lines but it's the film in any art is about having a conversation in many ways like if you want to make a point yeah and I think in especially with something as big and as monstrous as fascism you can't make something that it's clear-cut and nice that even if you're using this that is like a genre blend like I really like that this is like a neo-noir in many ways yeah 
the yeah there's a lot of people in the background of this like oh like other filmmakers like french new wave yeah and Def- so you have like jean-pierre melville yeah, clearly melville going on. yeah there's a, a lot of french there's a lot of italian neorealism in it there's a lot of things that they created for this movie and also borrowing from contemporary Italian filmmakers like Framing from Antonioni and stuff. Yeah. So I think that it creates a tableau that is very interesting to to look at but also to delve into. That's number one because I like the movie basically but also (laughs) the the political connotations of the movie. Uh, also, it is a 1970s movie, and we all know how much Orla likes the 70s movie, and, and just particularly the 70s in general. New Hollywood. Yeah, and I think that this movie is what started it all. And it's not just me thinking it; it is one of the, it, those lines in the sand in filmmaking that is like Citizen Kane. Yeah, well, technically Bonnie and Clyde came out before this, but this visually, this is yeah. like incredible, and like well, thematically as well, because it's incredibly influential. The New Hollywood took the style but didn't take st- all the depth <laughs> yeah not all the depth uh, something like taxi driver that's clearly influenced by this movie um but without the full full-scale political yeah and also it's it's more even though it is a very troubling piece of work and very in your face and polemic it's it is a polemic taxi driver is that it is a lot simpler to understand than this movie is because Bertolucci really refuses to guide you yeah. in, in the yeah, way yeah, that yeah. you There's no feel or any sense of like even in the plot how it is developed is more that you really have to pay attention to what's going on because there's no scene of exposition to say how fucked up it is no or <laughs> there's not even uh are you talking to me moment that is like to delve into the character really into it but the char- all the characters also have a depth to them but even something like all the president's men and everything like how visually they borrow from this movie that we mentioned during the conversation that i alluded to this movie yeah well Storaro Storaro and Gordon Willis would have been like obviously contemporaries but also like would have kind of borrowed from each other kind of yeah and Storaro ended up working with Coppola in uh, Apocalypse Now so like the link is there De Niro worked with Bertolucci after Bertolucci became friends with Scorsese and yeah there's a very like an actual proper strong link not just kind of referencing each other and this is what started it all so like I wanted to I do also really like the ending and I want to really talk about that because it is one of my favorite endings in movies. Yeah. uh, For many reasons that we'll get to. And also because we hadn't picked an Italian movie and I thought that that would be kind of a blind spot. Well, 43, 44 episodes. Uh, I don't even know what we're at at this point. (laughs) And consider how much I like italian cinema i thought that it's like it's time to pick one and i thought that this is also not only for myself because i love a lot of like di sica fellini fucking antonioni yeah Uh, there was so much to choose from and uh visconti as well uh i was torn between this and the leopard Mm. but uh i was like oh this is at the end of the day this is also a recommendation game that sometimes you want to throw a movie to you that i go like i have no idea what's her take but sometimes it's like something that i think that she would like that she hasn't seen but also we can talk a lot about it so yeah that's my first pitch 
Yeah. Let's see if I have to butt away anything. <laughs> I did actually just go into the Italian cinema thing. I did uh, prime myself for Italian cinema by watching uh, Love and Jura and then watching La Dolce Vita all three hours of it. So um, on on one of the like beautiful restored cuts of it. So uh, I had an awful lot of Italian cinema in the last week. But um, uh, yeah, this is a, an incredibly, incredibly interesting and also incredibly strange in places movie. Um, I did think for a while that we were going to have a, a Day of the Jackal uh, on our hands but no I, I think that there are a lot of things that are elevating this um, I know how you feel about Day of the Jackal but you know it's not as good yeah, as this yeah but at the same time Day of the Jackal it's really solid entertainment for me yeah, that yeah, it, yeah, it, it steps above it but this is like pure cinema yeah yeah um, yeah, so I think, yeah, for, for several reasons, and I think like, one of them being the main character, which we can talk about later, because he's, you know, obviously very interesting and in the, the whole, he's the key to this whole thing. Uh, but yeah, before going any further, we definitely need to have a talk, you know, just to mention what you said about the, the impact of this and uh, it, the legacy of this film, and obviously visually, thematically. Um, but I think, like, in the whole visual package, not just in Storaro's obviously incredibly. Um, important and you know it's visually incredible cinematography um like there were loads of bits of this that i had seen in visions of light that documentary oh, that was the other reason that i picked it because you're a cinematographer oh, yeah. oh, you yeah. love cinematography <laughs> um i'd seen like that shot where he walks down the corridor um uh, is is in, like with all the light coming through the windows like that that's one of the key storaro uh shots but um uh yeah i think also in the editing of this and as I was watching this, like, it takes a minute to, well, it takes about more than a minute for you to really get into this because he does not handhold you. You are thrown right into this film from the from the get-go where you have this sort of, like, puzzling intro where he's getting into the car and you just think about who's he talking about, who's this woman, etc. Uh, you don't know where he is. It and looks the driver like, that looks like Tommond from Game of Thrones. Kind of. Um, a lesser beard obviously you no know, he looks like someone else but I'm not sure who it is uh, I, I, love it. I love his comrade but um, uh, yeah and then obviously you're barely in the car and it, it's all looking incredibly Melville you're barely like that was the first thing I thought was Melville 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 the but, blue uh, yeah, Paris yeah exactly yeah because it's Paris as well and um, uh, he gets in the car and then boom you're somewhere else and it's not incredible that entirely clear. Like there, there are these constant things that are throwing you for a loop. Like the fact that he's in the strange recording studio. Oh, his friend is blind. Oh, it's like they're all blind. You know, it's, it's there's a lot of very strange little um, additions. Um, but uh, I think yeah, the editing is is incredible. And I was thinking like it, it's masterful how this is dealt with and how it's crazy how fresh it feels in this film. Like, considering how uh, non-linear editing is, or, like, non-linear, non-linear narratives are everywhere. Like, they... Christopher they, Nolan borrows from yes, this movie in his everything. his entire career. Um, in his <laughs> life, probably. <laughs> uh, which is fine, because obviously when you're, you know, someone who deals with it as effectively as Christopher Nolan does, I think fine, that Christopher but, Nolan is a transfalmador. You know what a transformador is? No. That sounds like a Douglas Adams word. You no, know, transformador is from Slaughterhouse Five. The aliens oh! that get unstuck on time that they borrow from Slaughterhouse Five for a really good uh, example of I cared so little for that book that I remember nothing of it. Yeah, but also it comes back in arrival because they borrow 
the transformadors are the octopods or whatever. Oh, you're right. I was thinking about Arrival the other day for some other weird connection as well. And I so was like, like Christopher Nolan is an octopod. <laughs> him himself. Yeah. Um, not his career, him himself. Um, yeah. And I was like, it's just, it feels so fresh. I mean, like, every fucking Netflix series has a fucking time jump in it. And this does it in a way where you're just, just. It's very elegant the way just, that it's Yes, done. elegant is the word where you're just, you switch and there is no explanation for it and you just have to keep up with it. And um, so, yeah, I think what, confusing at the beginning, but once you get into it, but I was trying to think of other movies that um, use this kind of, um, this type of narrative. Because I was thinking obviously of Citizen Kane, but between like Citizen Kane in the 40s and this, I couldn't really think of anything. I'm sure there are ones, but I could not think of any notable ones. Like all the ones that I can think of use flashbacks that it feels like... I have one that it was going to be almost a pick. Yeah. Out of the Past. Oh, that... Uh... Which you haven't seen yet. No, no, no. But Out of the Past, which is going to be a pick, it's very clever in how it does it. But at the same time, it calls attention to the flashbacks way a lot more than this. Yeah. But it's that the, the structure it of the movie is that, that it starts like in the present and then they take a car journey and he starts talking about the past. And then you're in the past and you think that it's voiceover, but it's not voiceover. You get oh, used wait. to it because you think no, it's voiceover. No, I have voiceover seen Out of the Past. With, uh, what's his face? Um, and there's a cabin. Robert Mitchum. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, no, I have seen that. Sorry. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kirk Douglas. And he's there with his like his his young wife and he's telling her the story of yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of what, what was happening. Jesus, it would have been kind of embarrassing if I had picked a movie no, that you're I watching have, and you I would have, I would have noticed. Um, but, you know, that's the only, that in Casablanca as well, but they really call attention to its mm, flashback structures. But, this like, is just, yeah. oh, it, it's in, it's masterful. Like, it really, really is. And yeah, it, it just, it's, it's fascinating. But um, yeah, I gotta kind of stop and talk about um, the, the, the dubbing, as in the Italian dubbing, like ADR. Um, the Sergio Leone technique. Um, like it, it's bad, and I know. Like I mean, it's oh god, it's 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 so bad, and I know that this is Italian. I know that this is the seventies, but it's incredibly distracting. You get used to it, like anything else, but because there's other things going on that it distracts you from it. But at the very very beginning, especially those first scenes, whenever he's in the radio station. It's incredibly distracting. Yeah. And you're supposed to be paying attention because this is the first setup of his kind of character and uh, especially his friendship with the guy who ends up being important at the end. Not important, but, you know, relevant at the end. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's no real way of getting around it. Like, it's terrible. But anyways. Um, <laughs> I was wondering, uh, <coughs> since we were talking about influence and stuff, I was wondering, there's one scene that remind me of a movie that you love. And Take a chair, really... soldier spies, the lateral yes. in the street. Yep. <laughs> not, not only that, not yeah. the only the lateral in the street, <laughs> which is another one that I didn't cop on that one. Yeah. I copped another one that when they're in the the party. He also goes it's... to an optometrist. <laughs> like, but you know the the party when everybody's like all the blind oh, people no. are in the Hold party. On. Sorry, that's a different movie. <laughs> You know the 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 party where all the blind people are. Yes, the party as well. Yeah, it's like the like New Year's Eve party. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. waiting for them to break into the yeah. international. Yeah, it's the incredibly well. There's kids he's singing, singing the, yeah. yeah, which is another. That's one of the really strange moments where the little children are just like following oh, no, after it's, it. It's almost so real at the, the moment. Singing the like in Italian, so bizarre. At him as well, like so strange. 
Yeah, like, I, it's, yeah, just, like, there are a lot of very surreal moments in this. After um, he buys roses from them as well, like, it's, no, he buys a tulip from them or something, like, uh, Normandy no, tulips. No, no, it's, it's not a tulip, it's, um... A lily. No, it's those little purple, parma violets. Yeah. Yeah, which are indeed uh, weird-ass sweets that taste like flowers. Don't ever buy a parma violets. Yeah, I gotta get to the things that slightly bothered me. Okay. Um, yeah, just before we get into oh, it. Oh, so I can bat them and, away, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, with, like, you know, skill, we'll see. But, um, uh, yeah. No finesse. I felt slightly distant from this film, and I couldn't quite put my finger on why, because, like, there are strange and surreal moments of this, on, in this, and I don't have any problem with that, because they're quite well handled. And I think, like, part of my problem with it I think is it purposefully done. So it's not necessarily a flaw. It's just something that I didn't really quite like. And it's it's the parts of his memories that start to feel um, quite like theatrical almost in their staging and in like, I think... Which one in particular? I think the best example of this is the constant dramatic reveals of characters <laughs> that as if like they're waiting off stage like there are these constant where someone is just at the edge of the frame and the camera spins to show them and it feels like Ta-da! you know and i know that like Ta-da-da. this is the point like the whole point of this is that it is indulgent it's baroque it's like it, it's in, it's meant to stand in stark contrast to him in the car and the scene where they kill your man. But I, it's just... Plot it was, spoiler. So, well, well, no. <laughs> what is this podcast? Um, I don't know. I don't... I can't... I, I, was, I can't quite explain it. They just... They alienated me slightly because they felt a little but too it, heightened. It is a cold movie in many ways. And I think that the more times that I watched the first watch that I got, I, I would agree with you. And since I watched the conversation again, I rewatched it. Yeah. And I think that I got the same feeling as watching this as a second time. It's because you're watching it as a text the second time because you're not worried about where the movie is going. And you start yeah. catching on. To what the filmmaker is doing. I did watch the intro again because um, I didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing again. But I watched the intro again because I yeah. wanted to get it now knowing. And you get much more from yeah. it the second time you watch it. Um, Even yeah, like okay. a very important conversation that is when he gets into yeah. France and you're it's, kind of lost the yeah, first time that you're the gone. first time you're like, wait, what? Huh? Is this real? What? Where are they? You know, it's it's really, it's bizarre. But um, and g- g- we're going to get to the end, talk about the end yeah. uh, when we get to talk about the end. But also watching it, like the more times that I watch, it, the more I see the the clues that the movie is leading you to where it is leading you yeah. thematically and filmically and in every sense of the word. And I think that it is a movie that the first time you watch it, don't realize that there's a very real driving force behind it. But the thing is that I think it's an intellectual driving force in many ways. Yeah. So because it's not being driven perhaps because the character doesn't have any agency almost the yeah. main character who is the well he's completely of the movie. powerless yeah. yeah i mean he's like, just conforming he's just doing what yeah. like the bare minimum that they tell him to do basically um, oh, well i mean at the same time he does instigate this plot yeah 
you know, and the, the, the plot is strange. Why are they killing him? Like, he doesn't even live in... in a, I don't know. Anyway, anyway. No, it's because he's, uh, he's turning over papers. Like, the more you notice that, like, he's doing anti-fascist papers for everybody that is in exile. But then he asked them... Uh, okay. He, yeah, he tests them by... Asking him to take those papers back to Italy to like spread around to, kind of thing. He gives your man the, the envelope. Um, yeah. And then it's like, oh, I'm giving it back because I'm not going to follow. So it was like a double test that way. So that's the thing is the more you watch it, the more it makes sense. But also yeah. is that the, not only the, the more it oh, makes I sense, it's the less it makes sense. Yeah. Is the like in the well, way the of the arguments behind the it, less yeah. important certain things are yeah. i think you know you start you stop worrying about where the movie is going you start just seeing the little details because you realize the it's the shadows it, it's that scene which is like one of my favorite scenes oh in god cinema. almighty that scene with the with the professor in the room is incredible like oh jesus everything like because your man i think is very good as well the guy who plays the professor um like we'll get to um we'll get to marcello but uh everything about that scene is is great because it's it's the shadows of and like the how they fall away that it's all it's like there's just so many layers going on there and yeah it's beautifully shot it's just oh but it's that kind of (laughs) what we were talking about (laughs) the lost episode of love is strange that there's a moment in love is strange that you could tell that it was the filmmaker talking about the film in a very meta way like in that scene in love is strange there's a scene that uh, they're after watching a concert and they are leaving the concert and it's a very emotional piece of music chopin and uh uh, fredo molina alfonso molina what Oh, oh yeah. uh, Joshua Molina. No. Um, <laughs> shit, what's his name? Uh, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina uh, tells John Lithgow, oh, in um, uh, when music is that emotional, you don't need to overdo it, play it. And that movie plays emotions very downbeat, almost like below the surface. So it's kind of like referring to the movie through a character talking about something else. Yeah. And this movie does that in that scene. That they're talking about the the shadows is this movie. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels because there's a lot more depth around it. Is that you need that piece of information to see them everything that Bertolucci is doing. But obviously, even if you copped it watching it the first time, is that you that happens like within the like after an hour of the movie. Yeah. Is that you being misreading? all the movie up to that moment yeah and then it changes the reading of your movie for the rest of it so when you rewatch it you start looking for the shadows yeah oh they're everywhere yeah they're everywhere this film is riddled with shadows it's great but like um, both visually and yeah, thematically yeah, okay, kind yeah, of thing. yeah absolutely but um yeah another thing i saw talking about that and really annoyed the fucking shit out of me and it's another thing where this person is supposed to be annoying but Julia by the end of it I was like strangle her strangle her strangle her like it's I don't know if it's character or performance or both but she's just this shrill girl child and I find it really distracting it is distracting and again like you said it's on purpose and I love how far it goes because it's like (sighs) any other movie it would stop 
but it's the the level of like Marcello's idea of like that he would do anything to conform and go up in society yeah, and even reclaim with this his horrible person. But also, it's a her I, that's her idea of conforming to her role in society. She thinks that that's how women like in high society, whatever it is that you had to go shopping, you had to be shrill and charismatic or whatever, and then and silly and girly and yeah, and then when you have Anna there as well, that she's like. All of those things, but actually, those things you see the contrast of. Yeah, like she seems more like much more, like like that she's not putting on a front. Yeah, you know what I mean. That it's, she's it's a mirror relationship with between Marcello and his driver and Julia and Anna. Yeah, the one is the the real deal. And the other one is pretending to be the real deal to conform because they think that that's what they're supposed to do. Mm. And I think those two mirrors that even they're linked in that scene, that amazing scene in the speakeasy when they're oh, yeah. like dancing and stuff. That suddenly <laughs> that when they go on like the choo-choo train or whatever, <laughs> dancing outside and Marcello is left alone with his comrade to give him the information to kill these people that like he's having the, the best time of his life. Yeah is like the linking like all uh, that this movie is always doing there's it's, it's one of those few movies that every single act and choice now is there for <laughs> no act i'm not saying okay. that the is there for a reason i do think that she's incredibly annoying i just want to like tear out my eyes and like oh, make myself deaf. it got a bit much after a while i was like no um I, I get i get what you mean with like that it is the point but um uh, yeah there are other things in this that i feel are unnecessary um not that she's unnecessary but that um the whole thing with his parents um i don't understand why we need to go i mean going to the house yeah okay but the whole thing with his mother and that she's a drug addict and the weird dogs and the car and the chauffeur and the dad like because i feel oh, the like the chauffeur that he gets killed <laughs> does he actually kill him though right or yeah yeah he, just... he he well he vanishes in the car stays and he oh, goes okay, like okay. get rid of him um... because he's a druggy <laughs> he's amusing my mother uh yeah like as much as I love the crazy scene whenever they go to the dad in the strangest, uh, you know, insane asylum of all time. That's I don't even know what that building is. It's like something out of Terry Gilliam. But um, or it looks like the layer of a James Bond villain or something. It's like so much white marble. But uh, there is some amazing architecture in this, though, um, just as a side note. And beautifully photographed, of course. But uh, yeah, I feel like because obviously we have that whole... Uh, um, flashback with um, Luca or uh, Lino, Lino, Luca, Lino, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Lino, the uh, the the other chauffeur, <laughs> the chauffeurs in this, um, <laughs> and uh, you could, when you're getting the aspects of his childhood, yeah, and how alienated he was and everything, and you could have wrapped a little bit more of the parents into that. I felt, I felt like we didn't need to have the sort of present day insanity. It just, I think that uh, going back to like fascism in itself like as a system is that the dad is actually crazy for being in the mental asylum yeah. so i think because he they are like used to be a well-to-do family the how the house is completely yeah. disheveled you know that they're not well-to-do now the like the only employee the mother has is the chauffeur like in this huge mansion the, the asian yeah <laughs> 
but it's that uh, the fathers in the mental institution probably put there as in an anti-fascist as an anti-fascist pro- like as in judgment nuremberg when the montgomery cliffs character there that yeah. his dad was a communist so they say that the entire family is mentally disabled and the reason that he gets the chauffeur to be done is because they had the same issue like the idea of body image and both strength in body and mental like fascism like complete fascism as a as a individual mm. is what he feels is stopping him going up the ladder because he has this uh, his father who who is in prison for being an anti-fascist and a drug well supposedly mother yeah. so in his view it's like is this thing that it shows the that nowadays it's not about shaping him as a youth in a way it's about the steps that he will take to because he says that he's doing it to regain the family name mm. but they lost the family name because his dad wouldn't go with the system yeah it's already so it's kind of like this the lies that he keeps telling him and well, even it's kind after of another aspect i suppose of the pointlessness of his actions yeah because like ultimately you know he goes to have like become a fascist but in the end fascism loses so it's all for nothing and in the end he's you know like it's or whenever he goes to paris to kill them and the whole thing of like you know that the woman he's fallen in love with he also lets get killed but for nothing because it was all every one of his actions is for nothing who he doesn't fall in love with no no because he's a homosexual yeah we need to talk about that is he a closeted homosexual yeah or yeah it's the whole point of the movie it's like the because he's conforming everything in his life yeah. he's oppressing the fact like him and the blind guy are clearly in an emotional affair yeah the, they're both unwilling to cross the line to make it a sexual affair yeah well i don't mean that like that he's not obviously he is yeah. at least half gay but that you know there it's sort of vague whether or not he is actually sexually attracted at the same time to her he's entranced by her so i feel like it's not just that he's not in love with julia he's not attracted to yeah, julia but that he, is complete but fakery it, but like the way is it is it complete you know is it complete another mind control of himself that he is entranced by her yeah or, but it, also that he's trying to be entranced by her because he feels that like because of the society that he lives in because he truly wants to conform yeah is that he has a wife that he doesn't give a shit because he's doing it for status. Then he thinks that, okay, if a dude did that, all the other fascists would be also doing, like, in the background, having the, the side check or, you know, between, like, I'm doing quotation marks, not, not proving <laughs> yeah, of the, that, of the that, comment. That whole, um... But even the way how disingenuous he is, and because he's great as an actor, he could have sold the moment. Mm. That is when he's asking her to leave her husband to go out go off with him go anywhere he's like oh I'll abandon everything or whatever he does it in a way that he knows she's gonna say no but then he'll go like oh i'm a macho man because i followed like the power of the boner kind of thing you know yeah and i think that even the way that he tries to like the way that he acts with the professor versus the way that he acts with her like his gestures are very trying 
to be imposing but never is and when he's yeah. with her is he that... becomes more macho even yeah I, I don't like disagree that his macho-ness is definitely put on like and his like he's definitely trying to be a certain way like as in he's doing particular actions that he's clearly seen or heard other men do that he thinks he should be doing but I don't know if it's completely true that he has no you know no because like otherwise why would he do it you know it feels i understand that it's like oh because this is what a mother man would do but i don't know it feels too but also it's like the 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 kind of fight that he has mentally with his professor because his professor is his professor and he was the best student and they had this huge argument and falling out and it's the reason the professor left italy is marcello yeah so it's almost that he's like thinking that he's putting one over the professor by having sex with the professor's wife why does he not want her to go, though? That's kind of what I mean. Like, the, the, why does he not want her to get to die? Oh, because it's just... He doesn't want anybody to die, mm. for for one. Because he's, like, he's just a conformist. Like, he, he gives the gun back yeah, and everything. Yeah, he's not... He he's doesn't have doing the... the bare minimum not to get kicked out of the... Of the of the pol- secret police, but at the same time, he doesn't want to do any of the dirty work or anybody to, to die. So she's like the one person that he doesn't have to, in his view, yeah, to die because she's only getting killed for being a witness of him being with the professor. Yeah, she's not getting killed. Like if he had shown up and she was on holidays, yeah, there'll be no killing there. So it's that. A- but he doesn't save her, though, even though, like... Because it's too late. Like, the guy says she's already dead because she's a witness. Mm, true. And, like, it, that is the, the what makes him also, like, has, like, a little bit of humanity in a way. And I think it's why he is a conformist. It's because that experience that he had with the, with the, with the chauffeur, with Lino... Yeah. Is that when he's oh, yeah, confessing... that's the other thing as well, that like his whole life full of like guilt and grief for nothing because it was the guy didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, that I don't think that he actually shot him because that only shows when he's confessing to it. Yeah. Is that he puts the killing in a way to make it like, oh, that's the sin because he has to confess the sin. And then he gets pissed off that the priest cover, is obsessed with the homosexuality. The hom- yeah, because that's such a shame. And I think that he even mentally perhaps put the killing there to say that that part of me was killed. Because if you see the sexuality of that thing, which is kind of fucked up because it's a kid and an adult yeah, playing it's it. A, well, I mean, a lot of the sex in this is, is pretty fucked yeah. up. But it's uh, the sense that like, uh, even there, how he describes Lino, that he's like the way that... He was, he was almost like, feminine, almost, like, yeah, almost like feminine with the hair and how he kind of was looking in my eyes, whatever. And you never get even the way not only how the kid playing Marcello is acting with Lino, but the way that Marcello is describing the scene to the priest, mm. and then compared the complete lack of sexuality with Anna, even when they're having sex and she gets up and he's just like, okay, the, like she just sits and uh, when they oh right sorry when they're like in the bed and like. His wife is in the next room, yeah. and the professor. Do they actually the have room. sex there? Well, sorry, they don't have sex. That they're uh, kissing, and then she gets yeah. up to to leave. And yeah, they're interesting though, like not just from his perspective, but obviously from her as well, because she knows who he is and what's yeah. going on. And yeah, um, and that's she's the, great. I like her a lot. And that's coming back to what you said of the the like now to get to the ending because it kind of flows 
automatic to get to the ending <laughs> for me uh that's why like the ending not only like the whole section of like them turning down fascism when he wa- walks off to see uh how a dictatorship collapses and you have yeah. like that amazing shot of the dudes and the pulling the head of Mussolini's statue down the road. <laughs> yeah. And that for one as well is that he starts conforming straight away to the other side because it's not like the end of Nazi Germany because that was the end of the war. Yeah. Is that Italy just swapped sides and then became occupied by Germany, like Rome and stuff. So it wasn't that it was the end of fascism. So just they're doing all this shit before the Germans come in <laughs> and they can't do anything. <laughs> And he straight away starts calling everybody else fascist yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and all this to conform with what he feels the new reality is. But the sadness that you were saying of like that all he did was for nothing. Yeah. And the thing is that all his conformism is to hide his true sexuality. Mm. And it was for nothing that he got people killed and like misery and all this shit for years for nothing and that is that realization that's why like the last shot is him seeing the gay guy sleeping in a bed behind him with drugs or whatever yeah and him like with the little fire burning in his face just looking at the guy going like what should i do now should i keep conforming or just like release my basic instinct kind of thing yeah um i like the very very last shot i agree with you but um that whole interaction with lino is is pretty bad um for i i uh, i like the revelation from it because i think it's it's you know obviously interesting and key to his character that that, you know it was all a lie and and the fact that he then gets very upset and starts screaming and everything but it's the whole idea of how he's just there and he has terrible makeup and it's yeah it's just it's a bit well the makeup is dodgy but i do think that the scene does play out no i, I don't especially think especially for like w- what happens afterwards that he calls the blind guy a fascist yeah as well. he literally turns on like everyone like his best friend and then like that weird shot with all the cr- the crowd yeah and... yeah it's amazing that shot where they envelop yeah, them and, and they're he's just like you know they're oh it's like it's really 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 creepy and it's um, all like just thinking like of being blind in that situation yeah you have no idea and like you have this crowd and you have some dude like shouting that he's a fascist yeah and, and then he's after that said he's gone and then marcello was alone again except for and i don't think that is a coincidence that also is in the ruins of the coliseum that all of that <laughs> yeah, is yeah, happening Rome is burning uh yeah yeah uh yeah i didn't really like the whole lino thing but um it, it just i was like what <laughs> what the fuck is lino doing there yeah i mean uh, it made sense, but it didn't. You know what I mean? Where like yeah. I liked the the point of the scene, but I didn't like how it was executed. But um, in the end, though, like that 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 whole that last shot of him, like this guy, the, that actor's is just incredible. Um, the character of Marcello is is fascinating because, I mean, well, first of all, he's like, <laughs> I was like dead eyes, dead eyes, dead eyes, um, like dead eyes, stick to, um, but obviously he's not dead eyes because he's there's something going on there but um yeah he's he's just he's this he's a lost soul he's desperate and i love how he looks like young frank sinatra i think that he kind of looks a little bit like um voldemort (laughs) oh ray fine i think he looks a little bit like ray fines they have a very similar mouth kind of yeah like straight line kind of yeah they have a similar face like their their hair and everything is very similar as well but um 
yeah he like he is he's he's ice cold and he's at the same time like incredibly vulnerable and desperate but also has that suave what's it like, like um, charisma he's incredibly yeah. charismatic and you understand why all these people are drawn to him why the professor's drawn to him why like uh why the fascists even want him you know what i mean that like this young handsome smart suave guy is like the epitome of like you know of fascism basically of like being able to like who you would want to send out into the world to he's the perfect spy like he is uh, like and it's the fact that the guy is able to to keep that throughout like moving backwards and forwards between different timelines yeah. and everything that it's yeah it's and just, be it's, very consistent in the character yeah, like and where he is in very the very world. drawn to him and I, like i lo- love even the even though he's the, the way that he puts his hands behind like the yeah, way that he, he walks but he has and, this weird sort of stiff kind of that he's so afraid to let loose because he doesn't yeah. know what will happen Exactly. That, yeah. that that's why like well I can be completely wrong because it's what I love about like cinema like I this. Think, okay. But I do think that like my rating of the movie makes sense in every single point. I think that he the, the... I think that he is possibly bisexual. Okay. I think is what no, he's definitely at yeah. least partially attracted to men that's clear and that's definitely part of what he's covering up but i think as well as that he's not just that that he's covering up i think that he marcello is much more conflicted than that i don't think that it's i think it's what kind of like not that that's all he is i don't think that he's just a good character i think that it's just the the catalyst to him hiding stuff and because it's like it's like the domino effect yeah that if you hide in one part yeah, like i can go yeah. i can hide the fact that i don't believe in fascism i can hide the fact that i know what i'm doing is wrong i can hide the fact that i don't love my wife i can hide the fact that mm. uh, like everything just that i'm doing is just to, layer on yeah top. yeah it's just that thing that it becomes easy for him to become somebody else but always be a little bit off that you can if you look deep enough yeah and it's, it's very there. clear in crowd shots like particularly when they are at the, in the dancing scene and they're all like crowding and around him and he is the most uncomfortable looking man and even whenever like you see him sitting um like at the dinner table say um whenever they're having um is it, well, they're having japanese food i think yeah and uh Everyone else, I mean, even Anna, who clearly knows what the crack is, she's like, chill. You know, yeah. she's just kind of sitting back. The professor is like, you know, perfectly fine. And then Julia is trashed, but he's just sitting like, you know, and it's not even that his hand is on his gun. Yeah. His hand is on his secrets. You know, it's just like, he's so, you know, just. And then you have like the, the thing with the professor is that the professor knows exactly what's going on yeah. in Marcello's head. But he doesn't realize how big a lie he is and how uh, how big of a lie he has created or what for himself he will do for his to maintain lie. that lie. Yeah, exactly. Because he still thinks he can that pull he him back. back. Yeah, so he's to... not afraid in the way that yeah. Anna is, because Anna's just like, uh, no. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> there's don't kill true m- melancholy and sadness to uh, during the the assassination and like that assassination scene. It's oh, incredible. God, almighty. 
god they stab him so many times why did they have to stab him it's so sad but even like the chase yeah when they're yeah. chasing and it's the, the first proper handheld that you see as and well and they're throwing the gun like if it's a toy like that they're playing like the yeah. the it's like playing it's like we know we'll catch kind of thing. you yeah. there's no and the mist rolling in and like george de la rue's score is amazing yeah, in this the movie score is incredible from the get-go the score yeah. is incredible like it's funny though like, how it opens on that scene on that shot where it's like red and it's the red of the hotel light and yeah. you're like what is it? where is this going you think it's going to be a lot sleazier than it is yeah and Especially like because it's a bertolucci movie yeah. let's be honest i mean like there are troubling scenes like the scene on the train where you know, she's basically describing statutory rape to him. Yeah, but that's why and he's fucking getting horny because of the dude. Uh, well, yeah, obviously. And then he uh, that's kind of like part as well that he's taking it as like inspiration for the whole like, you know, later on stealing anything. But, but, like, I, 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 but just going back to, to that scene before I forget yeah. is that I love how fucking they used back projection <laughs> so obviously and then how the color changes as they're the talking yellow, and stuff. Oh my oh, god, it's it gets amazing. It gets so yellow i do love that because it's really uncomfortable but um at the same time you're just like jesus christ because the soundtrack is like yeah like, but <laughs> that was just saying that it is a problematic movie but on purpose and it's to create yeah, the conversation you, is yeah, they, you know why he's doing it like well but, create a conversation not yeah. the conversation <laughs> well yeah. but in a way yes create, exactly well i mean there's a lot of the conversation yeah. like as well even just from the character he's and like, the, like so repressed and, and point of view and is that that's the thing that i think the uh coppola uses religion for jim hackman and in this yeah. case is that he's an atheist but it is that even being an atheist for it's the society whatever to, to hide yeah. how he truly feels inside it's mm. is that kind of yeah and i think that it is like just why i love this movie so much that we can kind of i can see where you're coming from but i, I disagree completely because the it is there in the text, your view of the of the role of Marcello, yeah. you know, like of him being bisexual, yeah, and like why he's doing what he's doing as well. Yeah, that's so why I think like, bisexual because like in nineteen thirty eight, that would have been even more confusing yeah because it's not a thing you can't even go queer like you go yeah, you can't even be part of that micro culture kind of thing yeah he has these incredibly strong feelings but yeah so i, I feel like that is kind of the strength of marcello is that he is you know, whether or not he is like whatever his sexuality is he is completely and utterly lost and you know you feel sorry for him at so many points and then at the same time you're just like oh Marcello <laughs> it's like Marcello and oh. then you have like the Marcello. the the scene when he goes and visit her at her studio and it's like I think that it's a very pointed decision to have ballet the, the, the form of like something that you send your kids to that is the most about conforming that there's not like even how she teaches him that like oh, your chin is one millimeter yeah off. that is not even like even fucking martial arts you have more freedom of how well, to use it in your own body kind like of thing. the fakery of the child on yeah. the strings that it's clearly for a performance or whatever but it's like them flying it's the lie you know it's yeah. like yeah i feel like he, that's the thing of this movie is that there's nothing put in this movie for no reason yeah it's not that they're like oh she just needs a job put her in that job you know like it was done on purpose 
Uh, but that <laughs> that I, shot whenever he grabs, because she's just there and she's like, oh, you're here, Marcello. And he just grabs her and like pulls her in behind the curtain. It's so funny. There are quite a number of very yeah. funny scenes in this. Especially because he, his movements sometimes yeah. are so over well, the top. Very, and very sp- like just out of nowhere, yeah. like where he literally is like. It's when the, going, the facade kind of. He's going from his like, you know, straight straight stance to like you know full blown get behind this curtain it's so funny but uh, even when he's driving down the road that your man his comrade goes oh he goes floor it we had to get there first and the guy goes oh if i floor it we'll slip like on the road and we'll break our necks and Marcello goes floored. I think that he truly wants to kill himself in a way to end it there. The same way that when he gets the gun, he does like the big Hollywood yeah, pose and then, and then puts it yeah, against his head, kind yeah, of thing. It's so bizarre. And I do like as well that the prostitute is played by the same actress. Yeah, it is that actually Anna... the same actress. I didn't know that. Like, uh, to, I wanted to check because uh, I wanted to like start from the start again. So I did the whole point up until they get to Paris, and I was like, oh, it's the same actress. Which makes me think of that uh, thing in Mad Men whenever they have yeah. like <laughs> always and forever. Oh well, yeah, uh, what do you think? It's uh, the difference between watching that movie nowadays than perhaps when it came out. Obviously, the the impact of this was very unique when it came out, and now oh, you yeah, have a history yeah. of film. Like you've seen pretty much all the movies that this has influenced, so Probably, you can yeah. go back to I it. Th- going, I want to see like, more Antonioni though. To I think as more because the Antonioni reference is the one that I don't get as much. Yeah. So it's like because I haven't seen enough Antonioni really to, but um. Uh, yeah, I think like filmically, um, it's different to watch it now, but I think that this still feels incredibly important and like visually stunning. And you know what I mean? Like how sometimes you watch movies that are incredibly influential, but so many films have come since and have done it better that you're like, Meh. but like this, this handles things as well as a modern film would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's that it's that masterful. It's so that kind of like I can't even line in the what... sand, like we were talking about. Yeah. That there's like a before and after because everything has been made almost like at the same style as the conformist in many ways. Conforming. Yes. <laughs> it's like in cell design. There's movies through history that do that. That is like Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. Conformist, you have like for sound design, which be uh, Terminator 2, which was the first sign. Oh, that no, there's a used. sound thing in Body and Clyde as well, yeah. And like the editing and like Easy Rider, and you know, like there's an yeah. awful like to be fair to New Hollywood and and the films around New Hollywood in Europe as well. There's an awful lot of things that work that came out of that time, um, but uh, yeah, like I can't, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to see this back then because. Like there are a few things that are very still very seventies. There's like a lot of zooms and dodgy makeup and you know like the bloody um dubbing. But anyways, um. But at the same time, like there's so many things I can't even imagine what this would have been like back then. What a shock would have been like, like go to the it's cinema. It's not shocking now. Like obviously, um, it would have been shocking as well because of the sex and everything. But um, like I mean, it's not shocking now. But I think it still has an impact. Um, and then like politically obviously it's different it would have been it probably would have felt like no oh, fascism having like if you were watching this. like in the 90s or well, something yeah if you watched this five years ago you would have been like oh fascism but there we are um but yeah obviously like this is where we are now where all these things gain new relevance but um 
Uh, and it's interesting Time as well. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> what is that, Nietzsche? Um, <laughs> uh, Last thing, uh, what's your favorite shot of the movie? Because this is such a sumptuous movie. The... I actually really love the bits in the car. Yeah. The bits in the car are incredibly well shot. Like, just, it's really... Don't even know if they're using back projection because... I don't think so. Like, I don't know how the fuck they did that. Like, I love to rewatch this and look, because obviously, like, the lighting... I mean, there's there's shots as well in, in her apartment where it's, like, this strange noir mixed with... There's, like, 15 different styles going on in that yeah. room at the same time. Never mind her costume and everything and it's just like you're like well, I don't know where oh, that black and white I dress I don't know where to look her like, black and white dress is amazing the the one that is like one boob is white yeah. and the other one is black <laughs> that's the only way that I could describe the dress sorry for there were other ways but anyways yeah. um I, yeah I, I don't know I also like I much prefer um the scenes in the car because of not just the color palette and the way they're shot but um also, the the whole sequence of of the of the killing is just yeah. in, incredible. Um, My favorite's uh, when they're in the that cafe, like the dancing scene and everything. That oh is, like, no, just... actually, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Like, I love all those things. I love that as well. But no, it's the one in the fucking office with your man. Oh yeah, the shadows. Obviously, yeah, yeah. like that. That's when just he closes the blinds. Yeah. Oh god, it's so great. I love that as well. Uh, what are your favorite thing in the movie? Uh... I'm going to say, like, the visual, like, the whole, like, the, the the way it's shot, the editing together. Like, both those two things together, I think, are, are just incredible. Because it's, like, the structure of this is, is really, really well done. And Miller's Crossing. Yes. <sighs> like, even the... the <laughs> There's so literally, like... The leaves flying in uh, front well, of the yeah, camera. Yeah, that, that's, like, direct... But that's the thing is that probably a lot of filmmakers that are referring to it haven't seen it. That they're oh, just re- yeah, they're, they're referring, referring to, to the referring, referring to the referring. referring yeah. yeah, I mean, like how many years removed are we from this? So yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your favorite thing? My, well, my favorite thing I think is the complexity of the movie and the, the way that it's a one, like a really good novel, or book, like reminded me in a way to White Noise, the way that there is like <sighs> this depth that you, it's like. It's that kind of novel that sentence by sentence is extremely quotable. Yeah. But as a whole, Overall, it also yeah, yeah, works yeah, yeah. incredibly as a, a single piece. And it's I think that it's novelistic, but not in the way that other people use the term novelistic. Yeah, because it can, it can, that can seem insulting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think it's, the, it's a film that it's has rich as much. Yeah. In the way that a novel, like a good novel is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, using the full language of cinema, that like, even if if you take away the bad dubbing that it is there, I can't I deny. Know, yeah. But like the sound design is incredible if you take the dubbing out. Yeah. Like even like the sounds, uh, like the sound of the car, the little motor turning over, and it's the attention of like when the killing is happening, you just hear the motors going in the little background. But it's mm, like the all the levels noises. are <clears throat> perfect, and it's like too silent for where they are but at mm. the same time it's like how long did they fucking wait for the mist to roll in because there's no way those are like <laughs> fucking wind machines or whatever but yeah like I think Unlike that it's those fucking leaves <laughs> someone's just throwing them like <laughs> <laughs> fucking the probably the, the actor playing Hamlet <laughs> Hemlock <laughs> yeah Hemlock 
which was like such a weird night yeah like, that's so random but yeah like i think that it's like the film as a whole that i know it's a weird thing to say uh but it's how every part sings with each other that the that they resonate that like I feel it's that kind of movie that if you take one one thing out, the mm. the whole house of cards collapses. Well, and I know that you disagree with that yeah. statement, but I I feel that way, and I I think that there's very few films that are made that way. The same way that at least you agree that everything in this movie is there for a reason. Yeah, other than the, I mean. I understand that the parents kind of has it has a reason to be there, but I don't think it's necessary. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. But so, um, what's your least favorite thing? Just felt a bit silly. I was like, eh, wait. Um, see, I didn't. I did, probably the parents. You know, probably the ending because it was a real kind of like for me. You know, it really took me out of it, so it kind of took away kind of in the way we were talking about Song of the Sea. Yeah. How the actual ending, ending, ending. You're like, okay, like that shot of him is yeah. great. But you but, didn't like the Lino uh, showing. Yeah, yeah, and it felt. I don't know. It just felt a bit manic and ridiculous. But um. Well, like, I love how he just fucking skips the entire war, but then, it, like, there's, like, a lot of people living in his house and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's very clear, like, what has happened. And the the shift in Julia as well, like, how she's yeah, become, she's... she becomes, like, an actual, really, like, an actual loving person to her daughter, to their kid. And also that you realize that also she was playing a character, but her facade yeah. is gone. Because she realized even how she's still supportive to him, but she's, like... What they're gonna do to you? Yeah, he she knows more than he knows what the world, the new world order there is because her eyes were always more open than his. Mm. But I think that there's a reason as well because why she drinks so much. Hmm. Uh, says that because she doesn't want to be married with him either. Yeah, well, she knows. She doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no way that she's completely unaware that Marcello is like, you know, she married a fascist. <laughs> Uh, my least favorite thing is um, the issues would be like so minor that like let's just say the dubbing. Yeah, like I'd say the dubbing. Like I was gonna go like, oh, there's a couple of the movement shots that you could tell that they were rushing. There was a little bit of a quibble, <laughs> like the you could tell yeah, like but... a step on the there was like a little bump in the tracks. Mm. Just like when you get to that like, level of nitpicking, yeah, no. it's gonna the dubbing because the yeah, dubbing okay, is the horrendous. Dubbing. Uh... <laughs> Uh, that that was the conformist. Yes, it was. So what what's the crack next week, Ricardo? Next week we have a special episode with our friend and partner in crime, uh, James Vanderval. On I don't uh, know if James is, is a friend of the pod. Is he a listener? Uh, yeah, he's oh, listened to hi, a couple here. Uh, so uh, we're gonna uh, because of the way that we're recording, we ha- we have a project that we're doing next weekend. So we're pre-recording this episode. So we you have can visit our Patreon. Yeah. We <laughs> have a lie. We haven't. He he hasn't picked a movie yet. I think he's to put the curtains out of the the mysteries that like Electric Picnic is this weekend. So okay, can't Did text you him. Did you say pull the curtains out of the mystery? <laughs> yes, because my English is gone. Where can they find us, Ricardo? They can find us on at the Rec Game on Twitter. Uh, the recommendation game on Facebook and the recommendation game at gmail.com. 
And you can also find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. We have a playlist there with all our episodes that are under their purview. And also, if you want to support Irish Independent Radio, I'll suggest you to go to the Dublin Digital Radio Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Potato, potato. Whichever way, tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. Whoever says potato, anyways. Like, (laughs) I understand tomato, but no, fucking potato. Yeah, that was The Conformist, uh, a film that I really like. A film that I liked. and uh, Not quite up there, but I, I do. It it has my, my <laughs> respect and like, but not quite my undying love. But uh, obviously, you can't dislike this film. Like, it, no, you can't like 70s cinema and dislike this movie. Like, that would be completely insane yeah, it was a fairly safe bet on that it kind of was yeah <laughs> but uh yeah no it, it is it is great like but um yeah so thank you thank you and uh so catch you guys next week i was Ordo Martinez. i was ricardo deacon thanks for listening see you next week